spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I have a dream that at moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins where it all came from since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Andy Ann's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Label Hi, it's Andy Ann from Spoken Label. A spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and records show it started off really as a one-off podcast chatting to writers, poets and artists. Over time, it became monthly, then weekly. And occasionally, nowadays, it goes on that to a more regular basis. To date, I've done over 330 sessions and I'm always looking for new poets, writers, artists, singer-songwriters, general interesting creative people to come onto the podcast. You can find this on all the usual networks over Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay and dozens of others. But it does have a central database of spoken label, which is all one word, dot bandcamp.com. Obviously now, to help me with the running costs of this podcast, I'm always grateful for any kind of donation to assist me with it. You can either do the donation through the Bandcamp page by putting in a fee to download one of the free podcasts, or send it over to my PayPal to aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk. My email address again is aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk. Enjoy the podcast. Take care. Bye. Spoken Label. Hi, guys. Andy N. Spoken Label. Back in the house. What was it? A Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday. The Tuesday night anthem. Track of the week this week. It's been one of those weeks. So. But anyway, that's the family stuff, not creative stuff. Now, we've got a wonderful lady with us today. She's a very multi-talented lady in, in all kinds of fields as well. And we've been trying to connect together for a couple of months now. It's just not happened. We've got the fantastic Lisa Moore with me. Now, I've forgotten how this we connected, Lisa. Did you contact me or did I contact you? I think I may have contacted you. I think if you contacted me because within two weeks I was originally trying to book you in, two people recommended you to my email and I forgot the name of the first one. She said, bad news with me. The second one is um, a dear friend of both mine, my wife, Manders, Jenny Berry, if you know Jenny. Yes, I do know the one. And she regarded you as, and her exact words were, and I can quote her next, I've got this in an email. God damn genius, get her on spoken label. Oh, how lovely. What a lovely thing to say. She's yeah, amazing. We, I mean, oh, pick her up too. She's amazing. We love Jenny. Love Jenny. I've done two sessions with Jenny so far, and oh, she's just a star. And that's what Jenny, listen, we're here to talk you, Lisa, Ram and Jenny. I could gush about Jenny Berry all day, and I'd probably make her, <laughs> Amanda, and me and you blush. Let's just move on. Okay, so, okay. right, Lisa, okie dokie then. I just said, I'm a lot of ground I'm going to cover with today because I know you've done all kinds of things. So 
Give us the introduction about yourself first of all, then. And where did all this creativity come from, then? And okay. what um, did you do? You do I do a lot of bits and pieces. So what came first, then? I suppose you you could say, yeah, I wear many hats. Mm. Um, I would describe myself as a writer, actor, poet. Um, up until 18 months ago, I was a full-time academic at the University of Salford, and oh. I taught uh, comedy, media, and performance. In fact, I was kind of instrumental in the first comedy degree um, oh. in this country, um, oh. a dedicated comedy degree at the University of Salford. So that was kind of my baby um, back in 2010. Hmm. So I had a you know a, quite a long career as an academic which I absolutely loved and you know it was a brilliant career but I just got to a point where I felt really thwarted in my own creativity mm. I brought up my kids I needed to work in a serious nine-to-five job so I did that and then for a few years I was thinking oh I need to do my own stuff I need to do my own stuff but I can't afford to and you know you know how it goes so then I decided to take the plunge and do what's either regarded as very uh, brave or very stupid. Might be somewhere in between of those things financially. However, financially, not yet um, as, as uh, you know, kind of viable as I was. However, getting there and uh, much happier inside in that I'm able to create and I feel a lot less stressed than I did because academia and education, as I'm sure you know, I mean, I don't want to bore you with that, but it's not what it used to be. And it's a very difficult arena to work within these days, you know, cause it's much more about bums on seats and it's a business. Mm -hmm. So working in a business in the arts is problematic in many ways. So as I had a great career there, and I still teach now, by the way. I still do freelance teaching. Like at the moment, I'm doing some lovely work for University of Manchester, which is my old stomping ground. Then I've worked at ICT, International Theatre. You know, I'm still, I'm still keeping my hand in, but I am now more of a writer, actor, and poet. And I'd say the poetry is kind of... That's the first thing you asked me where it came from, this creativity. And I, I'd always mm. acted and I'd always written. My master's is in script writing for television and radio. So I'd always, you know, been very involved in writing. And the poetry came about. And I do think it's it's a story that should be told. The poetry came back, came about from a period of real depression, actually. And it was an outlet. It it became something that I managed to sort of utilize to get me out of a bad place. There's actually a poem attached to that. Maybe I'll do that poem later. The yeah, first yeah. one. You find sometimes a lot of poets that move on to other side for the poetry. I know I'm like this, but mm. I still up in a very dark place. Certainly when I took it serious. And it's not the case you lighten up. I don't think, is it? You just learn to take it in different ways, I suppose. Yeah. It, it became like, I suppose, it just, it just, the only way I can describe it is it flowed. It wasn't like when I write my scripts and, and I do all my other writing, 
there's kind of real skill and effort goes into it and my training comes into it and I have to really focus. When I'm writing poetry, I'm not saying it's effortless at all by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a different, I don't know if you find this, it's a very different process and it's more of a kind of spillage <laughs> of, yeah, of you know, kind of, um, and sometimes it just comes to me and I don't have to think about it too much and then it has to be an outpouring. It's a very strange process, I, I find, writing poetry. It's very cathartic and it's something that I really really enjoy much more than i could have imagined i would actually yeah no i agree with you. now the first thing i can see obviously you, you see you, your website does say which i'm referring to a lot today you've been holding your craft and poetry for a long time now over a decade haven't you and i your first thing is you want to you better want to spot didn't you the the vault festival in 2018 mm. we've lost you a couple of poems you don't like it you lost that loving feeling which yeah. I presume is nothing to do with the Righteous Brothers, that one, is it? That poem. <laughs> no, there were two. The first poems I ever yeah. wrote, one was called You've Lost That Loving Feeling and It's Only Been Two Weeks. And <laughs> it, it, because obviously from the song, You've Lost That Loving Feeling, and then I added on in brackets and it's only been two weeks, which was about the breakdown of a relationship, of course. And I entered that into an anti-Valentine competition with Vault Festival, and a couple of other, other like uh, podcasty type things of it's it's kind of done the rounds because it's a very short piece, and whenever I perform it, you kind of you you kind of get that in the audience, especially from women. That kind of oh yeah, I know that I know that feeling. It's just about being really well. I won't give it away because I might do it later, so I don't want any spoilers. We'll keep the audience in suspense in case we don't. Yes. Well, yeah, we do. I'm sorry, that's yeah. the putting it so. To, to reveal all. Yeah, definitely. Hang around, everybody, of course. Now, other bit, obviously, a couple of bits and pieces I want to touch on about your poetry as well. But obviously, I know you've also done work, it's worth people noting that you did a peaceful International Women's Week, did you, back in 2019? Mm. This is an interesting point, this actually, and it's still a problem. I think it's existing nowadays, but I think it, the acting world has changed a bit where it highlights the plight of women actors being pushed out in the acting industry at 45 plus. Yep. Indeed. What I'd done around that time, um, 2019, is I'd pitched an article to an academic journal paper hmm. called The Conversation, which you probably know of. And it I'd already published with them before. And I pitched an article saying, I want to write about the fact that female um, actors just get pushed out there, there was you know the, there's plenty of situations where men in their late 40s 50s and 60s get to carry on being the good-looking stud man and then they'll replace the his love interest with a 30 year old or a you know so even it's less, kind of like even less it didn't get away with it yeah so yeah, yeah. we're kind of done at 45 i mean that's generous frankly 45 is a generous but these were the statistics that came out. So when I did a little bit of research and I pitched the article to the conversation, who were very happy to publish and said, okay, go ahead with that. And there was a woman called Nikki Clark who heads an organization, a campaign called Act Your Age Campaign. So I told her I was doing this article and I said, I'm actually going to write a, a piece for it. I'm going to write a spoken word piece for it called The Silver Foxes. And then I did um, write the piece 
And again, it was one of those, I think because I was so angry, I still am angry about it. It, it was one of those spillage poems. It just kind yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, no, we have to... As a fellow yeah. poet, I go for that myself sometimes. You get really yeah. pent up the stuff and... Yeah. Close, yeah, no, completely, I get you. So she liked it and she added it to her campaign and the conversation liked it. Um, so much so that they actually put it with... They embedded it into the article, which was great because that's widely read. Like it's had like 35,000 or something like that, you know? So it is good to, to kind of get that out there. And I had quite a bit of feedback from, you know, some notable people um, that were like, yeah, this is, because it's, it's it's kind of, I have to stress that I think my work, hopefully, although it's quite weighted with uh, current issues, I do try and offer a bit of, you know, I think I think the way to get to people or to get people to listen and understand stuff is is not to just is to be wary of ranting of merely ranting, because I've got a background in comedy, so I always try and you know uh, layer it, I try and layer it somewhat so that it's the old saying: is you show, not tell, don't you? Basically, yeah. yeah. So you can have yeah. impact. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Silver Foxes did well, and it is a poem that I still really love to do. When I did my one-woman show in Edinburgh, I used that quite a lot. That went down quite well. Speaking of, that's what I was going to come on to next. Look at that. See, everybody? Now, see, your one-woman show in... Because we were going to originally... It shows you how long this has gone back, because I originally the plan was to get you to talk about your show, obviously, before you went to Edinburgh, but... It, Anyway, that we show obviously was Woman on Mute at the Edinburgh Fringe yes. Festival. Now, I'm going to ask you first of all, before we actually talk about the actual the show itself, tell us about your experiences of being at Edinburgh Fringe. Well, it's the first time I've done the Fringe. I mean, oh, I've been, oh, oh. you know, I'd never actually performed at the Fringe before, so it was a it was a big deal, and I just kind of thought. I'm going to do it. I'm going to apply and I'm going to do it. And I'm just going to test the water with my material, get a little venue. It was only a small venue, but it was a lovely venue. And I wrote the show. I wrote just under an hour. And then I added music to it, sort of mm. music and sort of themed it um, around the idea of the muted woman. So, yeah, I can see from reading up on it, obviously, you'd, you'd used a piece and just look at the various stages of a woman's life, didn't you? So, mm -hmm. so was it, obviously, because I, I know you wrote lots of other pieces, was this quite a difficult piece for you to write in the sense, was it, to do such a longer piece like that? It was in some ways, yeah. And I think that was more, um, and ironically, it's a, it, it, it was more about being a woman and doing that even though the piece was about being a woman and the different stages of a woman's life, I felt somewhat, I realise now only in retrospect, that there was something apologetic about me in doing it, almost like, does this do, does this really need to be heard? And of course it needed to be heard because there were so many different, it was about testing it and I wasn't sure how it was going to come across, whether people were going to be, um, you know, kind of, overwhelmed with the the issue base of it but actually I think it was okay because the feedback I got which I, I made sure I did get feedback afterwards and you know had chats with people it it was and and most of my audience I have to say were women 
although there were quite a few men, but there were a lot of women that came to, that targeted it and came to see it because of the branding that I did for it. But yeah, it was very well received, but it's quite, there were teary moments, you know, there were some really teary moments and there were a few people came up afterwards and it made me think, oh, should there have been a trigger warning on that? Like for instance, so I talk about, menopause and I talk about aging and I talk about lack of opportunity and I talk about just being a woman and um you know from the perspective the, the same that men go through heartbreak as well but then I also talk about death and I talk about the death of a parent so there's one particular poem called my dad's eyes which <laughs> is about the death of my father and there was one particular moment and I'm glad you asked me about it actually, because I think as we have a responsibility, don't we, as, as writers, as performers. So we have to think about that. And there was a couple of moments where um, it, people were triggered by it because it, it's quite, I, I would, my stuff has been described as, you know, fairly candid. It, it doesn't really hide much. It's just there. Bare bones I mean, and whatever do you work, Lisa? I think I'd use the word honest, actually, you know, as well. And that's why I could. It's interesting, though, don't we do spoken label? We never, I don't always know the people in advance, and we've not actually met before, spoke. No. I connected with your work when I, when I played it all back in the past couple of days. It did make a lot of sense to me. And that's why I find you very interesting to chat to you about this today, definitely. So now, I also want to talk to you today about your acting as well, because obviously. Besides we've been a writer and a poet yourself, I know you do a lot of acting, don't you, as well? So, now, I've been watching, looking at your reel before, and I'm going to have to ask you about your experience of Coronation Street, straight away, anyway, so... so. <laughs> well, I've done a couple of Corrie mm. parts, actually. I did I did a few years ago. Um, I think it's 2001, the first time I ever did it, and then the last time I did it, I think it was 2017, 2017. Mm there was a bullying story and I played the mum of the bully um uh Chloe she was called and yeah a few episodes in that so it was really it was really I mean working in the street is always an absolute joy you know the amazing lovely writing and always also it was a it was a serious part but there was a bit of a comedy element to that character she was really a bit of a screaming banshee yeah, if you want, if you follow it on the reel, it's brilliant. I like it's that sort of role where I think any actress would get the teeth into it and oh, you walk away after a big smile on your face because that's that sort of role to me. It was a serious bit to it, but also like very comedy based almost as well. So I got to say, if I can remember rightly, I got to say something. It's I get I got to say to the Platt family. Mm. It's like being in the Flaming Adams family. That I keep it, yeah. expecting that's a <laughs> And I remember thinking, what a cracking line. I wish I'd written that. Oh, God, yeah, completely. It do is, I think it's always fun when you, you've you got a bit of part like that. You're stepping into something like an establishment like that, aren't you? It's been over 60 years. Totally, yeah. And it's That's like, it, you're thinking, you're going there now. You've had a laugh for, I don't know, however, however, however many days you're on set for over a couple of times, and then you can walk away thinking, well, that's something something to make a bit of memory yeah. say, definitely. Really nice. And people remembered her. I remember being at Sainsbury's the next day in the car park and I saw two two lads, you know, the boys in um, in a car. And I heard one of them say, hey, is that girl from Corrie last night? She's a right cow. <laughs> I'm 
Oh, it's a success when you get that. But people are saying, watch I'm not going to say we're going to go into a lot of your acting and stuff because you've done so much bits and pieces. Just to encourage people to go and look at your updated reel on your on your net on your website, it's brilliant. And also, like you've done like a lot of commercial reel commercials as well, haven't you? As well, so, so voice stuff. I like yeah, to voice do stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I've done a bit of voice stuff as well. Um, I like doing voice work. I like working in a studio. I think one of the things that I've kind of been successful um or lucky in doing hmm. is i don't know if you saw the where to mate stuff uh or heard rather so it was jason wingard's um sorry can you hear the dog is no no I'm <laughs> um, where to mate jason wingard's comedy where to mate on radio four um he um asked me in that so that that was really good so I kind of got this reputation I think for being able to do lots of different voices which I really love being able to do lots of different accents lots of different voices and kind of comedy attached to that too although I also do really you know really serious and straight stuff um I like to be you know uh, I like to stretch the voice so to speak but I'm also doing a play at the minute um there's a fabulous writer called Joe O'Byrne yeah should we hold that back because I know I know yes, to spot sure. it. We, can, we can talk about what's coming up as you, as you what's coming up definitely there because I've, I've seen the poetry yeah. so straight away so what well, have you found that okay because I used to do a lot of acting myself years ago back when I was back when I was younger I don't I don't don't do it nowadays <laughs> No, not about you, Andy. No, no, it's no, it's just various reasons. Because I used to, when I was younger, I used to get rid of my stage fright, which is crazy. I'm a performing poet as well. <laughs> but I'll no, tell you about um, that off I mic because there's a certain rather no known regional theatre that probably banned me. <laughs> so we'll come up to that off mic. Really? Yeah. Oh, how interesting! I'm really intrigued now. Uh, all I say to you is, it's Harold Pin to play. I don't want to forget me, you know. Right? So, <laughs> but anyway, okay. And um, I want to talk to you obviously about the clubs. We've been doing obviously like, you do a lot. Of, you've done radio work, obviously commercial work and TV work and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Do you find obviously your approach changes when you're doing this like? this sort of work to contrast your own work when you're performing your own work. In what respect? I mean... Like, I think when I used to write on plays myself, I was talking about that Harold Hid- Harold Pinterfire I'm on about. I had to play an alcoholic in that play, and anyway, you can guess what probably happened, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's like, I had to, like, do... It was like I was injecting myself in a different way to my own writing... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a very different kind of performance energy, isn't it? I mean, I haven't done live theatre for some time, and I know Mm. we're going to talk about that later, but the energy that's required, the energy and skill that's required in Mm. that is entirely different, obviously, to the spoken word stuff, because with the spoken word stuff, for instance, I have a mic. So I can play around with the voice and use the mic and... And the mic is also a prop, as you know. So it's kind of, you can really temper your own work and your own writing. But then when you're doing the words of somebody else, you have the responsibility towards the playwright. So it is different. And also it's not easy, I find, as a writer myself sometimes. Because, I mean, I can be, oh, probably shouldn't say this, but I'm just going to be on it. I can be a bit of a control freak when it comes to my own 
my own work so doing other people's too i have to really check myself sometimes and go right this isn't yours just do as you're told <laughs> yeah i think it's it's raining yourself in sometimes and you're acting approach it does that's what i found myself in the past years he, he said he said something it right it's only you have to be respectful to what you've been given basically yeah. for whatever reason so no and that's sound, sound a good actress that definitely so now obviously and i want to look start obviously thinking about winding this down now obviously to give you a chance to do a bit of reading for us in the second half but before we get to that, obviously, yes, we better have talk about your forthcoming play, which you've done someone already, The Bench, and I know there's other dates been announced later on this year as well. Yeah, so, there's quite a few. Yeah, and obviously, like I said before, this is the first time you've been in the theatre for quite some time then. Now, obviously, before we talk about what the play is about, can you tell us about and how it feels to be back on stage and doing a play again there? Yeah. Um it's been really scary, actually. Um, I mean, the one thing I have realised as as I get older is I'm completely wear my heart on my sleeve these days about how I feel about things because I don't think there's any other way to be. You know, the ego is not as prevalent, shall we say, although obviously there is still ego because I wouldn't be able to do what I do without it. <laughs> but there, it was quite scary, but... The great thing about this play, The Bench, which is literally about the bench that sits on the stage, and it's about the different people that grace the bench over a period of 12 months. So we we move through the seasons, and we go from um, a man and woman who are having some marital problems, so they're trying new stuff out, and using the bench for that, which sounds really dodgy, and it's not actually that dodgy, but it's comedy. And then it ranges from that to talking um, to Matty and Jake, who are um, a couple of local thugs, to um, a a, a kind of um, really sad character who's pretty much homeless, to, oh, there's just some amazing characters in the piece written by the fabulous Joe O'Byrne, whose words are a joy to perform really, because he's just, he's kind of a cross between, I would describe him and he has been described as um, a kind of Jim Cartwright meets Alan Bleasdale. Um, oh, does he really? Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's been called uh, the Salford Scorsese is, you know, Whoa. he's, he's not a name I've come across for, but I've, been in plays both Bleasdale and Jim Cartwright myself straight away when I was at uni and beyond that. So, all right, it does sound really interesting then, definitely. So, I'm just upset I've missed, missed the Manchester dates from it. <laughs> really yeah. well, ne- no, never mind, because there, we yeah. are going to have some others. So, that piece is we're at Wakefield on the 11th of March, and then we're at Colm. Uh, um, on the 20th of April and then it ramps up to September, October, November December but Joe Burns also got other plays out too, he's kind of got a trilogy so there's other plays, uh, The Haunting of Blaine Manor that he's doing so he's got a wealth of work out there and everybody's picking it up so it's good definitely check that out definitely check that one out, sounds good to me do you envisage um, you're actually bringing your own show back again yet? We did the Edinburgh Fringe Festival last year. I'm not going to the Fringe this year because I'm hmm. focusing more on the writing. I'm hoping to I have um 
a collection. So yeah, that's the last question going to be actually. I know yeah. there's a collection on the way, isn't there as well? So. Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, which is called the Invisible Woman, and it's kind of uh off the back of um muted woman on mute. It's mm. off the back of that. So I now have quite a hefty collection. I've been working with an editor, um, publisher, and she's been really helping me sort of hone my craft and and just give me some advice on on how to move forward with my work. And she thinks I'm ready for a collection. So I'm I'm kind of trying to work on that at the moment, as well as doing the acting, as well as still doing some oh, teaching. Well words, I'm sleeping occasionally then basically. Yeah, but I mean I really do. You know, I mean that there used to be, and I used to say this to my mm. students all the time. Mm. I used to say because back in back in Renaissance times, for instance, people did do everything. Not as many women, unless you were really wealthy, but they did play piano, write plays, do poetry. Did you know they did all these things? And it's to to my mind, it's kind of a cultural thing that we are supposed to be good at one or two things. And I don't think the average person is. I think the average person is probably untapped brilliance in fairly you know varied areas i'm not saying i'm brilliant i'm saying that people have the potential to do an awful lot of things i do i agree with you i agree with life you. is short and i think you've got, if you enjoy doing things do them yeah i think mean, you're a great example lisa actually he's like you're a firm believer never standing still as a creative person and i know i'm not i'm definitely like that and i'm wondering my wife is as well we yeah. don't stand still you've always looking like you're letting your creativity lead you, I think, to the natural progression to where you want it to go to next. And yeah, definitely good luck with the book. Definitely. Do you have any ideas when the book's on the way then yet? Or is that well, a bit early? I'm hoping yet? to finish writing it this year and then maybe, I don't know, maybe 2024. I, I, I'm not really sure, but I'm really enjoying the process of bringing a few more new ones out. Like I wrote one not long ago when, you know, when we had that big crazy moon. That oh. moon was like... Oh, yeah, I do, yeah. And, and then I usually get inspired by whatever's going on. And I was so inspired by the moon because I felt like... I don't know why I've moved on to that, but I, I felt as though the moon was almost following me around and prodding me, like she was prodding me to to notice her more. So I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write about this. And then I went to bed that night and I have blinds in my room and I woke up and thought, what's that? What is that? And it was the moon shining through a crack of the blind. And it was blinding, blindingly bright. And I thought, well, if that's not a sign to write about it, to actually do it. And then I did. And then I put some music to it. And I really enjoyed that process of, and it did well. People really liked it again. Oh, that's good. That's good. I got often the best sort of works. I think the ones that sneak up on you sometimes when you're not expecting and that yeah. way then it's like you've wrote the piece and you're thinking, oh, whoa, where's that come from? You know, definitely. Good luck with yeah, it. Yeah, so you have similar experience where yeah, you do, yeah, do yeah. yeah, I've just had something, I'm getting something published, actually. I'll tell you about that in the ad break. But yeah, that's yeah. something that's that has a piece that got sneaked up on me and I wasn't planning it. So yeah, so definitely. So good, really good luck with the play, definitely, sir, and also the book as well. So keep us informed. Okay, now we'll let you do the wrap up now. So if people want to find out more about you, where do you recommend they go? 
Well, my website, which is my shiny new website, which is lisamore.uk, um, you can find all my stuff on there and you'll see that there's a section on poetry, uh, a section on education, because I still work as a freelance educator, mm. so um, workshops and guest lecturing, which I still do plenty of, and um, poetry commissions and performances and acting gigs and writing too so which we haven't talked that much about but in essence my writing is you know one of my major loves is is script writing so I have a couple of things just in mm. development at the moment but they are quite exciting fingers crossed and definitely for you so it's hard sometimes and we'll listen today because Lisa's got such a varied portfolio I was trying to pick out the bits where to concentrate on sometimes but definitely yeah. good luck with Lisa and thank keep you Okay, we'll take a quick break here, guys and girls, and let Lisa get composed, and we will be back in two shakes of the dice with a few Thank pieces. You. See you all in a minute. Spoken Label. Hi, guys. I'm Dianne, Spoken Label, the magnificent Lisa Moore. I've had a great time chatting to Lisa today, so I'm looking forward to now hearing a few of her pieces. Over to you, Lisa. Hi, I'm going to do... Hi, everybody, again. Um I'm going to do the first one that I ever wrote, which I alluded to earlier, and it's called You've Lost That Loving Feeling and It's Only Been Two Weeks. You enveloped me into your skin. As I cooked for you, you just looked, were hooked. We took tea to bed and read. Beautiful moments of nothing said. Our kisses lasted hours let alone showers, once you even bought me flowers. We made plans. We were each other's biggest, wildest fans. Your tunes were my tunes. Your tears, mine too. You were a permanent, pleasurable fixture. For me, you were an intoxicating mixture. Absolutely, categorically, undeniably, the one. And then suddenly, you just gone. There was no hint or glint, no other great affair, no big bugbear, no see you there. Just a text, followed by an email stroke letter explaining that you were truly, really, very sorry, but just really knew no better. Thank you. Tremendous, absolute excellent stuff that yeah, can you can see where you work, and that's what I loved about re listening and watching all your work for least. You can see the dramatic aspect of your work because you can see you're an actress when you're doing it, but it's, it's your own voice as well. No, Thank tremendous you. stuff. Thanks, Andy. Um, I always have to say at the end of that poem, though, I always feel like I need to say, I'm all right now, everybody. And it was great because I got a poet, I you know, I dine out on that poem, and um, he turned out to be a real idiot, and it was a long, long time ago. So <laughs> ghosting even was a thing. <laughs> Best way, move on, don't we? So, okay, back to you for piece number two. Okay. Okay. This one is one that I did, um, wrote last year for International Women's Day. And it's called Skin and Blister. And it's about when friendship might go wrong. So most of it is good. Friendships are great. Women are great. Occasionally, it's not great. Okay. 
Hey, skin and blister, sister, sister, how do you fare? Did you fire any arrows through her heart just to be smart? Did you proceed to settling scores, even though you knew of her deep-rooted, seeping, festering, open sores? Did you titter behind slimy walls, awaiting her bigger falls, squinting through Instagram posts, dragon-possessed, spewing scorching words? Did you pick up for her? Did you stick up for her? Did you sand her down? Did you paint her like a clown? Did your whippet whispers meander to slander? Did you forget that time in history where at each and every turn they try to burn her, turn her, unlearn her, stop her in her tracks, elasticate her right back? Do you introspect? Or do you project? Were there pearly gates? Would they open for you? Would it be a sleek and slow glide? Or would you have to hide while they searched for your name on the door, only to be told, your name's not on the list. You're not coming in. Oh, sister. Thank you. What a great ending, that one. Again, yeah, I can see why that piece went down really, really well. It's yeah. like, yeah, no, it's got it's a really good piece actually. It's again, it's a dramatic side of it, but I think it definitely carries on well on stage and definitely on page as well. So I think that's difficult writing sometimes, that is to get that sort of message across on both yeah. sides of it. No, tremendous piece, that one. Excellent. Thank you very much, Andy. You nearly had a dog sort of like you nearly had a dog joining in, like a chorus. Oh, <laughs> are people are people wondering on audio here today, which one of your dogs is with you today, Lisa, at the moment then? <laughs> I know you've got several dogs, haven't you, Zoe? I've got two, yeah. One yeah. here and one over there. So the next one, would you like me to do one more? Yes, please. We'll call this, should we call this the big finale then? Definitely, right? Ooh. Yes, actually. I might, I've not done this one uh, for uh, a while. So I may have to just allude to this. And this one is called These Hands. And it's about that time, well, it's, it's about the pressure on women to stay young. Okay. You see these lines? They're mine and they're fine. You see these creases mid-neck? They're also mine too. And if you're really, really lucky, you'll get them. And so will you, and you, and you. You see these age-dotted hands? They rocked my babies and others too. They've chopped a trillion onions. They've written lives. They've sued deaths. They've sewn back souls. They've held on with them. They've squeed hard with them. They've poured and jawed. You see these bones? Such as they hold me, they also serve to unfold me. And when youth was done with me, they walked me steadily toward truth and away from lies. You see these not-so-full lips? Yeah, some of it's gone to my hips, 
but all the better for sassing my way toward a world of non-head-turning joy. A silver fox becomes his age and she can't get to hers, not without scrutiny, not for all her guts and glory, not for all her tempered fury. So she grips her dotted hands and she watches as time giggles past, waving temptation at her to change her indentations. And she sighs the biggest sigh yet. Oh, she says, my looks are the least interesting thing about me. And she takes her well-kissed lips and her lovely hips and she dances and she dances and she dances. When this age thing comes, don't deny it, fly it, for your soul may just soar. Thank you. Whoa, that sword that piece beautifully then. So, yeah, Thank great, you. great stuff. Great ending and great conclusion to the session today, Lisa. Thank so, you. I wouldn't have wanted to ask you to do another piece after that. So I think it's when you get higher and higher with your pieces, it's, it's impossible to follow it sometimes if you don't sell that now. But it's tremendous. Yeah. Thank, thank you again for today, Lisa. And thank Good you for the such a lovely interview. You've been, you know, you, you've orchestrated all of that. So, thank you very much um, for making it such a lovely experience. Thank you, Lisa. And the way I always look at it is as a guest, as a host. A host is only as good as his guest. And again, you've been a pleasure to talk with today. So thank you. Thank you very much. Hang around, because I do need to chat to you off mic anyway. So there's a few more things yes. I need to go through today with you today. But that's the end of today's, today's session of Spoken Label. Thank you again, Lisa. And as Don Callis at Impact Wrestling says, it's always a great conclusion. It's stay safe and stay over. We will see you all hopefully soon. Spoken Label.